thank you, Lord. It's true, God. The power to create the heavens and the earth that we know it was done through your name. And we stand here in our worship this morning, declaring the same name. It's been declared for thousands of years. It's been setting people free for thousands of years. Calling people home for thousands of years. And Lord, we gather here this morning in your name, Jesus. We gather in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just pray that we might experience the fullness of your freedom and your grace and your power and your liberty this morning. I pray that as we come around your word, Lord, that you would cause us, Lord, to, to open our hearts up to you in some way that you just resurrect something inside of us because we're here in the name of Jesus and that name resurrects stuff. That name brings life to things. And we invite you to be here with us this morning, God, in these next 20 minutes, Lord, we just sit at your feet and we, we listen and we, we think and we take in all that you have for us this morning. We bless you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take your seats? Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy, for sharing. I'm with you. I'm with you. How you doing? How you doing, Dana? Everyone well? Are you comfortable? Well, you shouldn't. That's right. Had an argument with Kevin this morning about our comfort levels. I think we hold them too high in our, in our agenda to be comfortable. And um, I don't want you to be comfortable this morning. I want you to be uncomfortable. We're going to come into the, around the Word of God, and it is... Not a comfortable book. Anyone like reading? Curling themselves up in front of a fire and uh, with a good book, a cup of coffee. I don't know, I don't, but I'm just assuming some of you do. That's too comforting. <laughs> um, but I do love reading the Word of God and I, I try and um, read it every day of my life. Um, it's not so much comforting, but it's challenging, and it's, it's, uh, it prods me to do more with my life and to allow God into more areas of my life. And uh, I hope and pray that that's what comes across this morning as you, as you take in His Word this morning for your own life, that it will be prodding you and encouraging you to... Um, to be a little different. Lord, we just thank you for your scriptures. Pray it comes alive this morning. Amen. Amen. So we're going to, I'm down on the roster to preach for three weeks straight. Thank you. And uh, we'll see what the attendance is like by the end of the third week. Um, but I like these opportunities on our roster because it, it lets me go through a little bit of a series or take on a whole book of the Bible. We're going to look at the book of Ephesians um, for the next three weeks. It's a fantastic book, one of my favorites. I want to give you a little bit of background about this book. 
It was called Ephesians because it was written to the people that lived in Ephesus, right? So here we are, the Apostle Paul, and you'll find some of this story of his um, trip to Ephesus in Acts chapter 18 and 19. It was his second missionary trip since um, he, he was sold out to uh, the gospel of Jesus. And it was his second trip, and he stopped in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a, a city on a river. Um, they dredged out the river uh, even more than what was naturally um, possible so that it became a real tourism spot. It became a port, a deep port where um, it was... Uh, a lot of people come and go and um, produce and whatever came through that area. Um, and so it was a lot of high traffic sort of a, a city, working class. And uh, Paul found himself there on his second missionary journey. And it says in Acts chapter 18 and 19 that he found a few believers. So this is not long after Jesus. This is not long after the apostles and, uh, um, had gone out and spread the word. The church was birthed, but Ephesus was still a, a town that was um, very religious, uh, very traditional. The Jews were there, very traditional, but there was also uh, a, a temple there, a significant temple there that was um, that was um, not designated, and yeah, it was a pagan temple, but it was um, dedicated to a certain goddess. So not necessarily um, walking in a city, walking in the ways that God would have them do. But Paul came and visited them on a missionary journey. He was, I mean, I love Paul. I love his, his missionary trips. He was, he was prodded by the word of God to go out and take the gospel to cities that hadn't yet received it. Anyway, so he's there. And the Bible says in, in Acts that he was there for a couple of months. He found some, some believers and he spent a couple of months in, this synagogue, in the synagogues there, in the temples there, preaching and persuading people. Preaching and persuading people and arguing with them, it says. So he was passionate, he was pumped, and he was slowly seeing more and more people open up their beliefs that Jesus was the Messiah and following what the Bible calls the way, right? So this is the background to this church that Paul is writing to. He spent a couple of months there. He moves on. He leaves them. He goes on the rest of his missionary journey. On the way back home, he has the choice to stop in at Ephesus again. He doesn't. He decides to keep going. He's on a journey back to Jerusalem. Um, but he does stop nearby and he sends word out to the church that he pretty much established while he was there. I'm um, coming through this other city, send the elders. I just want to quickly meet with them while I'm on, on route back to Jerusalem. So they did. And he met with these elders. This was before this book was written here. Met with the elders and he said, hey guys, you've got to be careful. Since I've gone, I've heard that there's been others coming in with uh, similar type messages to mine, but they are not the same. They are not godly. They are going to lead you off track. You need to stay true to what I've been teaching you. You need to stay the course with the, the principles that we've put in place, uh, um, myself being an apostle of Jesus Christ. So they go back, and that was the message they took back to their church. It was a church that started off with a bang. 
The couple of months that Paul was there, not only was he fired up and was he, was he passionate, but it also, the Bible says, he performed many miracles, many unusual miracles. I was thinking about that. What's a usual miracle? Like if, if it's not unusual, it's not a miracle, right? But it says that uh, he would send out uh, aprons and cloths and it would touch people and they would be healed. Many people came to find Jesus in this couple of months. So it was a church that started with a bang. Before we get into it, before I finish my background to this church, there's another bit of background to this church that comes at the end of the book, the book of Revelations. This is one of the churches listed, one of the seven churches listed. And this was a prophetic word from John, wrote, a, wrote on behalf of God, Replying to uh, these seven, ch- or addressing these seven churches, one of the churches was the church of Ephesus. And, and John declares on God's behalf and says, I've seen your faithfulness to not follow after these other avenues, to not go down these other avenues, to stay strong and stay true to, the, to, to what um, I would have you believe. And that is fantastic. But one thing I have against you is you've lost your first love. That's this church. That's this book of Ephesus, of the Ephesians. So they start with a bang. Many miracles happen. They're a a city that knows how to maybe trade, how how to work, how to put things in place. And I fear that, and I'm joining the dots here, that maybe the church did that a little as well, that they started to put things in place, that they started to just minister out of routine and tradition. They were, they were a working class church, so they put a lot of stuff in place at the expense of losing their first love and why they were there even in the first place. That's, that's this book, book of Ephesians. Let's start reading. I've got three weeks to get through six chapters. We're going to try and get through two chapters each Sunday, but we'll see how we go. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May our God and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I love how straight Paul was. I am am an apostle of the Lord Jesus. It must have been a time where there were many spiritual things coming, many messages coming, and people had to really choose for themselves. Like even in today's day and age, isn't there a lot of, lot of avenues that you can go to explore spirituality these days? But Paul says right from the beginning, hey, I'm not an apostle of anything else except of Christ Jesus. He made it clear. He made it distinct. He made it, this is it. This is what we are all about. And I want to do that this morning. To, to, to just to declare over our own lives and over our church that we are here for the, the cause of Christ Jesus. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our leader. He is the one that we're following after. He is the only one worth giving our whole lives to. There's, there's clarity in that. You need to be clear on this. There's no room for any other spirituality in our world if it doesn't have Christ Jesus at the center of it. 
We've got to move on. We've got two chapters to get through. Verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Amen. In, heavenly, in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Be, even before he made the world, God loved us. And he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You know, it was the choice of God to see us holy and without fault. Amazing. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure to adopt us. I was chatting with a friend of mine. I was at a party. I was at Dan and B's house actually this week, and um, she's adopted a little girl. She's actually mid-60s. She's at the age where you wouldn't think that you'd She's got 40, three 40-year-old 40 old, old, uh, sons, grown up, got their own families, and she's decided to take on a little girl, and her and her husband, and they got a 10-year-old girl. She was at the party, and a uh, great family, great people. And, um, but I was chatting with her, and, and I was saying, so, so how is this? What are you up to at the moment with, with your, your daughter? She refers to him as, as a daughter. And she's a foster kid at the moment, right? She's had this child for now two and a half years. Two and a half years, the child came out of an abusive background, a rough home, not good. And, um, and she got put in the foster care system. And now this couple, lovely couple here in Bayless Bay, have been um, looking after her for two and a half years now. And I said, okay, so, so what's the deal? Where's, where are you on the journey now? What's next? And she said, well, we're... we're we want to adopt her. We want to take things to another level and, and adopt her. So we're going down that process at the moment. The mother, at the, the natural mother at this stage, isn't ready to, to let go of those rights of the child, but um, her lifestyle is really not in place to make her word much value. Um, so they're hoping that they will be able to adopt this little girl. And um, I was talking to this lady, and I said, um, so what, what if you can't, Liz? And she said, oh, I'll, be, I'll be really gutted if we can't. You know, it's a long journey we're going down, but, but what, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to give it over to God and, and just trust that he knows best. I was intrigued because I knew I was going to be preaching about being adopted and um, my conversation with her highlighted to me and I don't know the exact ins and outs you you may know a bit more than me about this sort of thing but the impression that I got is that fostering a child and you may have even done this in your life fostering somebody is more the element of allowing somebody to come and stay with you you look after them you help them through their life um, but in, in, there's an element to it that it's not necessarily permanent, right? We've had some, we've had some great foster families in this church, Dan, um, um, Danny and Jackie. Jackie has adopted some kids. Remember Jackie living down in Victoria now? Um, they, they, those girls started out as foster girls, right? So, but there was always this element of uh, it was very fragile. Things could change at any time. 
And Liz, this lady I'm talking to, so passionate about adopting this girl, portrayed to me the next level of helping somebody. And that's the adoption. That's actually sewing them in to her very own family to be like a a natural born child of that family, right? Now, what comes with that? Obviously, clarity for the child, clarity for the parents, but this, this, there's, a new, there's a new vibe now. There's this sense of what is ours is now yours. Not necessarily you're welcome to come and experience what is ours, but everything we have now is yours as well. You are in this with us. And I get the sense that this is the message that Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus. You guys need to understand that you are not foster children in the kingdom of God. You have been adopted in to the very own family of God. Verse 6, So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything under, together under the authority of Christ. Steve was talking of that. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. See, only an adopted child could expect to receive an inheritance. For he, has, he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Verse 12, God's purpose was that the Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring, bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. And here it is, by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit, of, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. I'm going to pause there. He's adopted us in, and if there is any doubt in your mind that you make the cut, that there is truth to this, he's given you something that that confirms it, and it's the Holy Spirit. This is why we need to have a life that's open to the Holy Spirit. It gives us confirmation. It shows that this is not just words, but this is—you know—you can. This is this is the the proof 
that God is for you and everything he has is given to you. Adoption, not foster care. What's mine is yours. The Bible talks about us having equal rights with Christ. <laughs> Are you serious? You know, that should overwhelm you, really. And it starts to talk about here a blessing that comes upon us because of that adoption. Okay, let's keep moving through the chapter. Who's liking this book? It's good. Verse 15, let's keep reading. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. Listen to the thing he prays for. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. We are his rich and glorious inheritance. We are his inheritance. Wow. Makes you feel good, yeah? But Paul is saying here, right, we've been adopted in, we're getting an understanding of what that means, but I pray that you guys would really start to receive understanding, spiritual wisdom, what God has done for us. I think the only thing that holds a Christian back in life is lack of understanding, is lack of knowing what he has done for you, wants to do through you, the truths of, the, of creation that are in his purpose. Like we, we can be blinded to these. We can, be, we, can, we can be, I don't know, we need to know. We need to, we need to know what he has for us. And Paul is praying for this church that they would know and understand and grow in their understanding of God. Don't think you've ever made it to a place where you understand God. Are you kidding me? Like, and don't even think that you understand how God works. Are you serious? But Paul is praying that they would grow. My prayer for us today is that we'd be people that are, that are keen to grow in God, that are keen to find out more, that are keen to go deeper, and keen to not be in the same place right now than you were this time last year. You hear me? That we, are, that we are driven to keep going a bit further in God because there is so much more of God we have yet to experience. Where do we get up to? 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us. Is that what it says up there? We got the same translation? I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us or toward us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. 
Now he is far above any any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. I had never read that. I thought it was just all for himself. You with me? He is over everything and all-powerful and, and, and has authority over everything in this world and the next. This scripture says clearly, for the benefit of the church, for us, my benefit. Wow. Come on now. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Not only are we to grow in the knowledge of God, but we are to grow in the experience of his power. It's for our benefit. It's for his glory, but it's for our benefit that we get to experience the power of God. The power of God. Now, that's not just the power of God that Paul displayed when he first arrived there and healed people and set them free. That's, that's one element of the power of God. But what about the power of God that can change an individual's heart? What about the power of God that can, that can crack the hardness of a person due to abuse or, or not a great upbringing? He can soften and bring light into dark places. Is that not the power of God? Is the power of God not whatever areas in our life that have been off limits to grow in and excel in and be great in, in our own life, yet the power of God is there for our benefit, for us to experience? Wow. How long have I been going? It's 11.30, right? I'm good through chapter 1. <laughs> So we've been adopted to the very family of the Trinity. We need to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God. We need to grow in our experience of His power. After all, the Holy Spirit was as a gift confirming to us this stuff. All right, I don't have time. Chapter 2, we find ourselves in chapter 2. Let me not read it. Let me just, it, it keeps going on for the next 10 verses, a little bit about being united with Christ. Actually, the whole book of the Ephesians is described as the, the epistle of union with Christ. It's all about the union with Christ. So when we read it over these next three weeks, keep, that's, that's the filter. That's, that's what it's all about. You with me, Kev? Don't fall asleep. We get to verse 11. I'll just read a couple of verses here. Verse 11 of chapter 2. Don't forget that you Gentiles, 
So this is a church made up of some Jews, some Gentiles. Some Jews who were God-fearers that believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They moved over into this new covenant. And it's made up also of Gentiles who were always outsiders brought into. You know, like, for, for one, the message of adoption is so powerful for the outsider coming in, right? For the other, over here, the message of you getting to experience the Spirit of God in all His power, maybe that's a greater message. I don't know, but this is a, this is a church that's a, a combination of people with different backgrounds. And we get to verse 11, and it says, Do not forget, you Gentiles. So he turns his attention to these outsiders. You used to be outsiders. Well, there you go. I just said that. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. Kev, you're trying to rush me. By the Jews. Uh, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected their, only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made with them. They, not only were they outsiders, they didn't receive God, but they didn't even receive the knowledge of God and the covenant that was in place. And he says at the start of this paragraph, don't forget you've come from this, Gentiles. Don't forget where you've come from, the darkness you've come out of. Um, back to halfway through verse 12. You lived in this world without God and without hope. He was reminding them that they were nobody, living for nobody, complete darkness and no knowledge of God and His covenant. So don't forget where you've come from, Gentiles. Don't forget what it means to be adopted into the family of God. Nothing that you have ever done has brought your adoption into the family. Don't now try and work just because you live in a city that puts things in place and has to work to order, that you think you can create some sort of order in your life or put things in place. Don't forget that it's nothing to do with what you have in place in your life that God has chosen you. It was by His good pleasure that He chose us. Overwhelming, isn't it? And he goes on and he says, so he's dealing with these two categories of people, the, the Jews and the Gentiles, the insiders and the outsiders. For Christ himself, in verse 14, has brought peace to us. He united the Jews and the Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. He broke it. This got my attention. Bringing down the walls, that got my attention. That should get the attention of every single person in this church. That's what Garen's always talking about. The bringing down walls. <laughs> Catch. 
walls of hostility between people inside the church. Let's be a church with no hostility among its members, right? Among its people. And then let's take it another step further just for fun. And let's be a church that has had walls removed through the act of Christ on the cross that separate us from more Gentiles. Amen? There's a whole lot of Gentiles in our world. There's a whole lot of Gentiles in our world. And the act of Christ on the cross did not only just happen so there'd be no walls within the church, but that there may be some no walls without the church. Paul came to the city of Ephesus with an agenda to grow the kingdom, to see more and more people enter into this new covenant. We have to, we have to be easy accessed. Our, the gospel of Christ has to be easily accessible and presented with open arms. Because don't forget, we were once without Christ and without hope. Let that be our motivation when we're reaching out to other Gentiles, other outsiders, that we were once in that dark place. How far did we get? Okay, let me just conclude with this, and then we can say we've gone through chapter 1 and 2. The last few chapters, three chapters of this last three verses of chapter 2. We're going to finish with this. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. That's, that's an element that this world needs. That's something this world needs to know, needs to experience. That they are no mistake. That they are made with purpose and dignity and... There is a God in heaven who sent his son to die for them. You're no longer a stranger. You're no longer a foreigner. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Spirit to a city that had a temple designated to spirituality but committed to some foreign goddess. God raised up a church built from insiders and outsiders, legitimate and illegitimate, with no walls. And he built up a church in the city where there was idolatry, in a city where they had walked away from the things of God, God gathered the few Christians that were there, got more people saved, built this thing and called it a church, his own body 
something that he was a part of that could never be knocked down, never go into ruins, would last eternity in this life and the next. And that's what he's doing with us today. Let's pray.